Hi everyone, uh, my name's Dave. I'm uh, part of the North Gathering here at Mosaic Church and one of the elders of Mosaic Church as well. Uh, it's lovely to be with you this morning. Um, we are uh, coming up to the third chapter in the book of Ruth in this series entitled Mercies in the Shadows. And before uh, before we get into the book of Ruth, before we look at that chapter, uh, I want to ask you a question, or I want you really to ask a question of yourself. Um, how do you respond to a crisis? How do you respond to uh, a crisis? It might be a crisis moment, or it might be like a long-term crisis, like this pandemic, like this lockdown. How do you respond to the challenge of juggling work alongside looking after your kids? How do you respond to the challenge of the insecurity around your job or around your finances? Uh, how do you respond to the challenge of not being able to see many people and, and the mental health challenges that can bring? Or how do you respond to the challenge of seeing people and the anxiety about seeing people and, you know, will they follow the rules, how I follow the rules and all those kinds of questions? How do you, how do you respond? Uh, I've been thinking a little bit about that myself and I know my temptation, uh, my temptation is to try and take control and try and find security by looking at myself, by looking at my own resources. So I've noticed that I, I've been working uh, harder, been working more hours, um, because I'm trying to, I'm trying to take control of the situation. I'm trying to mitigate any external circumstances that might threaten my my livelihood or my working situation. And I've been, <laughs> I've been checking uh, our finances. I've got a couple of banking apps on my phone. I and I'm checking them. I would say daily, but it's probably a couple of times a day, three times a day. And and really, what I'm checking is, is there. I'm checking every every transaction going out, every transaction coming in. I'm wanting to make sure, you know, are the finances in our in our bank account, in our budget, what they should be. And really, I'm trying to find security there. So my temptation is is to look at myself and look at my resources rather than um, rather than to look to God. And it it can feel to me like it's unproductive to pray. It can feel sometimes like a bit of a shot in the dark, a bit of a last resort. And um, I think what this crisis has revealed to me is, is a real struggle in my heart to, to trust God, to trust who he is and what he's like, to trust his character. And, and the bizarre thing is, I can look at loads of examples in my life where God's provided for me and cared for me and looked out for me, but there's still in my heart this, this bent towards distrusting him, uh, this kind of temptation to look to my own resources rather than to look to him and his. And I, I just wonder whether you can resonate with any of that. Or whether for you in a crisis moment, you're a bit, you know, if there's a fight or flight reflex, you're, you know, you're a bit more of a flight. You know, you try and run away from, uh, from the suffering. You, you try and hide from it, uh, pretend that it's not really happening. Maybe, maybe it's, you don't feel like you're able to cope. And so if you just pretend like it's not happening, and that's, that's your way of coping with the situation or, or whatever it might be. You know, crisis times, they, they raise big questions for us. They, uh, they raise these questions of, you know, who is God when there's a crisis going on or there's a time of difficulty? Where is he at work? 
Um, who who is he that we should trust him? Uh, and those those kind of moments, those kind of big questions, can they can put an obstacle between us and our relationship with him? They can put an obstacle between us and trusting him. So what do we do with that? Well, I think the Book of Ruth and, and Matt mentioned this in the in the opening uh, the opening sermon around uh, the Book of Ruth. Um, he talks about this this way through. The Book of Ruth provides us a way through, and um, it provides us a way through in, in a couple of ways. One, um, you know, the characters in the book of Ruth, they they speak to us, they show us uh, how we can act in times of crises that uh, that can be really helpful. But what I really want to kind of press into today is that this story ultimately is revealing to us who God is and what he's like and how we can trust him, that the way through this difficulty and these difficult seasons and the crisis is to have a bigger vision of what God is like and who he is towards us in this time of crisis. So what we're going to do is we're, we're going to read through uh, the, this chapter in, in the book of Ruth. We're reading chapter three. And as we uh, read it through, I'm just going to draw out a few things that it's important for us to note. And then we're going to focus on how it reveals who God is to us in the midst of difficulty and crisis. Now, something we've got to remember about the book of Ruth is this is an ancient story. This is maybe 2,000, 3,000 years old. So it's written in a different time. It's a different place and it's a different culture and a different society. And so there are some things that are normal in the story that would seem really strange to us. So we've got to recognise we're, we're reading an ancient story. But, but let's go through the story. And, uh, and see what it shows us. So if you've, if you've got a Bible in front of you, you might want to turn to Ruth chapter 3. If not, don't worry, all the verses will appear on the screen before us. So in chapter 1, it says, One day, Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her, My daughter, I must find a home for you where you will be well provided for. So let's just pause there. So this word home, the Hebrew word is really security and what Naomi is saying to Ruth is, is we are not in a good situation. We are impoverished, we're vulnerable, and, and we, are, we are not well placed in society. I need to find a way for you to be secure. And ultimately that would mean I, I need to find a home for you, I need to find a household for you where you will be protected, where you, where you will be cared for, where you will be provided for. Because these two women in this society, they find themselves outside of the home. They find themselves outside of what, what we could call a household societal structure. And really everything in that society functioned around being in a household. Being in a household meant you were part of uh, relatives and wider family members who kind of all came together um, in, in, one, in one place, in one household to provide for one another, to work for one another, to kind of get food for one another. But Naomi and Ruth find themselves outside of that system. They're just two women on their own. They are going to struggle to find food they're going to struggle to um, find shelter. They're going to struggle to, to survive in this society, really. And so Naomi is saying to Ruth, we've got to find 
a way through this. We've got to find you a home. We've got to find you security. And so Naomi knows the best thing to do is to find a husband for Ruth, to find somebody who could take Ruth and therefore Naomi into their household to um, to care for them, to provide security and provision. So let's carry on in chapter two. Now, Boaz, with whose women you have worked, is a relative of ours. Tonight, he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. So wash and put on perfume and get dressed in your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let, you, don't let him know you are there until he's finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he's lying, then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. This all sounds a bit bizarre uh, to, to our, our culture, our ears, but Naomi is basically saying to Ruth, Boaz is our best hope because he's a relative of ours. Now that seems odd. Naomi's looking for a husband for Ruth and she kind of looks within the family. Now in our culture, if somebody's, uh, if somebody's plans to get married, they normally marry outside the family. So that can feel a bit strange, but the culture at the time, you, you would often marry kind of an extended family member. And what Naomi is actually doing here is, this isn't just kind of good strategy. Naomi is actually placing her faith in who God is in this act. Because God had given his people a law, a way of living, way back in Leviticus 25, that said if a woman was married to her husband, but her husband died, that woman needed to be protected. She needed to be cared for. She needed to to be provided for. And the way that would happen is the closest male relative to her husband who was able to marry her and take her into his household should do so. And God gave his people this law because God is on the side of the vulnerable. He's on the side of the destitute. He's on the side of the weak and the outcast. So when Naomi says we should put our hope in Boaz, she's actually saying we should put our hope in God, in God's law, that God will provide for us, that he will take care of us through this law he's given to us. Now, oftentimes, Naomi gets a bad reputation. She gets a bad rap from, uh, from the book of Ruth. Some people look at Ruth chapter one, where Naomi changes her name to Mara, which means bitter, and says, oh, you know, she's not coping with her situation very well. She's not trusting in God. But I actually, I actually think the reverse is true. All the way through the book of Ruth, Naomi is looking out for her daughters-in-law. She's looking to care for them and protect them and make sure they are well cared for. And that's what she's doing here. Uh, Let's go back to the story, uh, verse five. Um, I I will do whatever you say, Ruth answered. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. When Boaz Boaz had finished uh, eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. So he's, he's worked hard, he's had some to eat and drink, and he's, he's going for a well-earned rest. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. In the middle of the night, something startled the man, and he turned, and there was a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? he asked. And you might be like, why is he asking who are you? But you've got to remember, there's no street lights, there's no electricity, so it's, it's pitch black. And he wakes up and he senses there's a woman at his feet. And he's like, who are you? And Ruth 
Ruth is now the one who is showing faith in God's law. Ruth takes a massive risk here. She is this vulnerable, impoverished foreigner. She's a non-Israelite. She's, she's not part of, of um, the, the Israelite ethnic community. She's from a foreign land. And there is, there's not much in her favour. Um, Boaz could, could easily reject her and say, I'm not marrying you. You're, you're a foreigner. I'm not marrying you, but you know, you're, you're weak. You're impoverished. What am I going to get out of this marriage deal? And she's also risking her her current way of finding food because she's she's gleaning wheat and barley from Boaz's field. So Boaz might not only reject her kind of this um, uh, this proposal of Ruth to, for her for him to marry her, he might also say you you can't uh, have any food from my field anymore. This is this is a massive risk for Ruth. But I think like Naomi, I think Ruth has faith. I think Ruth has faith that God is going to provide for them. God is going to care for them. And that the means that that's going to happen is, is through Boaz. Uh, maybe, maybe Ruth remembered that it was God who provided food in the famine in Ruth chapter one. Maybe it was uh, Ruth remembering that it was God who provided food for them in chapter two, where he, he provided a field for Ruth to go and glean food from. She's trusting God as her provider and her protector, trusting that God is going to provide and protect for them <coughs> through Boaz here. So Ruth responds, I am your servant, Ruth said. Spread the corner of your garment over me since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. Ruth is asking Boaz to enact God's law and redeem her and by proxy Naomi from this place of vulnerability and scarcity. Boaz says, the Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You've not run after younger men whether rich or poor, and now my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do all you ask. All the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. Although it is true that I'm a guardian redeemer of our family, there is another who is more closely related than I. Stay here for the night, and in the morning, if he wants to do his duty as your guardian redeemer, good, let him redeem you. But if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning. So Boaz responds as Ruth and Naomi hoped he would in fulfilling God's law. But more than that, he, he honours Ruth. He declares that she is showing him kindness just in the same way that she showed kindness to Naomi. She's showing him loyalty in the same way that he showed, she showed loyalty to Naomi. She has come to him, her kinsman, rather than going to younger men. And there's a sense here that Boaz uh, knows this is a risk, but also maybe knows that Ruth could have had a shot with some other people in, in the town, in the village, that maybe she could have gone after a younger a younger guy, maybe somebody more likely to be able to provide children or a stronger person, whatever it might be. Boaz is saying, I am honoured that you would come and come to me. Maybe somebody who's a bit older um, but somebody who is your kinsman you would put your trust in me and he says you know you are you're a woman of noble character you are showing integrity and he honors her 
So Boaz here is he is acting with righteousness. He's following God's law. He's acting with integrity because he knows there's actually somebody closer to Naomi. Um, and so he says, you know, we need to check with him first. But he also acts with such honour and dignity towards Ruth. He really respects her. And in so many ways, Boaz is displaying God's character in response to Ruth's faith. And before Ruth leaves in the morning, Boaz gives her a large amount of barley to take back to Naomi that would tide them over until she could be redeemed, until she could be brought into his household. So it it is a beautiful story. It's a story of of risk. It's a story of faith. It's a story of trust. But it's also a story of honour and integrity and righteousness um, there's a sense in which if this was done in our culture, it might be a little bit like the Notting Hill scene where Julia Roberts goes to Hugh Grant and says, you know, I'm just a girl standing in front of a boy asking him to love her. And it's not that kind of story at all in so many ways, but I think that's how our culture would interpret it. So, that you know, there's a beauty to this story. It is in some sense a love story, but it's also really a story of survival. And it's a story about trusting in God's provision and God's character. Now, one layer of the story is I could I could kind of finish the preach there and say, you know what, church, we're, we're meant to act like Naomi. We're meant to act like Ruth and, and put our trust in God's character and, and look to him and his promises to care and protect us. Or I could say we're to act like Boaz, we're to act with righteousness and, and integrity and honour towards the vulnerable and to care for those who are in, in need and, and lacking. And, and maybe that would be an OK place to land, a, a little bit like reading an inspiring biography of a person who's achieved some great feat or acted in some remarkable way and thinking, you know, I should go and do the same. We should go and live likewise. But we've got to remember that the story of the Bible is ultimately a story that reveals God to us. It's it's ultimately not a story of role models that we're meant to follow. It's not a story of lots of people and lots of characters that we're meant to imitate. It's a story that shows us who God is and what he is like. So we've got to ask the question, how does this story, how does this chapter show God to us? Where do we find God in the story? And partly we've seen this already. We've seen that uh, we see God's character in this law that he's given to his people to protect uh, these vulnerable women when their husbands die. Uh, uh, kind of, we, we could say God is a good lawgiver. He's one who cares. He's one who provides. And, and all of that's true. Uh, and all of that's really helpful for us. But the book of Ruth, the book of Ruth is speaking about someone coming along and, and redeeming another person. Boaz taking Ruth and Naomi into his household and providing for them. And that story, that image, that's really the story of the whole of Scripture. That that really is the story of the whole of the Bible. That's the story of God and his people, God and his creation. And the story of Ruth is like a, a that story writ small, but, but it's there to remind us of this grand story that God has come to redeem his creation, redeem his people. When Ruth is lying at Boaz's feet and Boaz says, who are you? Ruth says, I'm your servant, Ruth. Spread the corner of your garment over me since you're a guardian redeemer of our family. 
just to just imagine Ruth's Ruth's lying there in the cold and she's poor so she probably doesn't have loads of clothes and she doesn't have warm clothes so she's she's lying there at night time in the cold and Boaz wakes up and Ruth says probably through chattering teeth probably shivering you know spread the corner of your garment over me since you're a guardian redeemer of our family and and Boaz does he maybe takes his garment his outer coat and he spreads it over Ruth she's brought into his warmth she's she's brought close to his body she's being welcomed in that moment into into Boaz's warmth but also into Boaz's life into his household now that image of a garment being spread over someone it's actually an image that God uses to describe his relationship with his people in another uh, part of the Bible in Ezekiel uh, the prophet Ezekiel in chapter 16 God describes his relationship with his people in this language of, of a husband finding a bride and he uses this uh, really emotive uh, dramatic evocative language and he says this uh, Ezekiel 16 starting in verse 3 this is what the sovereign Lord says to Jerusalem this is what God says to his people your, ans your ancestry and birth were in the land of the Canaanites your father was an Amorite and your mother was a Hittite on the day you were born your cord was not cut nor were you washed with water to make you clean, nor were you rubbed with salt or wrapped in clothes. No one looked in on you with pity or had compassion enough to do any of these things for you. Rather, you were thrown out into the open field, for on the day you were born, you were despised. God's basically saying to his people, no one wanted you. No one wanted to draw close to you. All the other nations rejected you and pushed you away. And then he says this. Then I passed by and saw you kicking about in your blood. And as you lay there in your blood, I said to you, live. I made you grow like a plant of the field. You grew and developed and entered puberty. Your breasts had formed and your hair had grown, yet you were stark naked. Later I passed by and when I looked at you and saw you were old enough for love, I spread the corner of my garment over you and covered your naked body. I gave you my solemn oath and entered into a covenant with you, declares the Lord, and you became mine. It's really evocative language. It's really emotional language. God saying to his people, my relationship with you is like I, I'm rescuing a, a dying and helpless babe. He nurtures them and cares for them so that they could grow and mature like a child growing up. He says that he loved them and chose them as his bride, like the one who spreads the corner of his garment over his bride. God has covered and accepted and loved his people. He has promised to be with them and they became mine. You became his. You know, the crisis of, of this pandemic has revealed to the church, but also just, just to the world as a whole, it's revealed to us afresh our vulnerability, our frailty, our mortality, our weakness. You know, it's shown us the fragility of life. It shows us the inconsistency of income and money. 
It shows us the limitation of, of government's ability and government policy, and it shows us the fickleness of, of our hearts as well. So what's the way through? What's the way through difficulty? The way through difficulty is to put our trust in the God of the Bible, the God whom the Bible reveals to us, the one who sees our situation and responds, the one who sees us like a babe kicking about at the side of the road, who responds to our nakedness, our weakness and our frailty, who responds to the sin of our hearts and the prospect of our death by spreading the corner of his garment over us. How does he do that? Well, in the person of Jesus, God has stepped into all of our crises, all of our difficulty. He stepped into our shoes. He stepped into our lives and he has drawn close to us um, in our time of need. Ultimately, through Christ's death and his resurrection, his defeat of the power of sin and death, God has shown to us and said to us, you are my beloved. You are my children. You are my bride. And I will spread the corner of my garment over you. He clothes us. He honours us. He doesn't shame us. He washes us clean. He doesn't announce our guilt. He liberates us from the power of sin and death. He doesn't condemn us. That's the, that's the path through this crisis and difficulty, to lift our heads, our eyes to the one who has stepped towards us. We're to put our trust in the one who has already given himself up for us, to draw us close to himself. And that's our hope. That's our confidence in this season. That's what enables us to have perspective on this current situation, to see that this isn't how it ends that God has a better future in store for us. And that ultimately means prayer. Prayer isn't a shot in the dark. It isn't a, a moment of last resort, as I'm sometimes tempted to think it is. Prayer gradually becomes our, for, our first port of call as we trust in that image, trust in that image that God has drawn us close to himself. Imagine as Ruth experienced the warmth of being under Boaz's garment. She's also realising it's going to be okay. I am cared for. I am protected. I am seen. I'm known. I'm welcomed. I'm accepted. When we call out to Jesus in prayer, when we come to him, when we put our trust in him afresh, we're calling out to the one who has already rescued us, who has already redeemed us. We come to a realisation that where we find ourselves with God is that we are already under his garment. We're already drawn close to his warmth. We're already in his embrace. What Ruth finds in chapter three is that God has already been at work in the shadows, as it were. That when she appeals to Boaz to protect her and he responds, she's realising that God's mercy is already at work for her. What we realise when we call out in prayer is we realise God is already merciful towards us. We are already accepted into his embrace. He has already drawn us close. 
So let me pray. Let me pray for us that we would know that in the week ahead. Um, Lord Jesus, I pray for myself. I pray for Mosaic Church and anybody else watching in the week ahead, Lord Jesus. Help us to realise, reveal to us afresh the warmth of your embrace, the security of knowing your garment is stretched over us. God, give us hope. Give us perspective that this isn't how it ends, that the future is bright, that the future is something you have already secured for us. God, when we are tempted to look away from you, when we're tempted to look to ourselves or to do whatever it is we do that doesn't trust in you, I pray, Holy Spirit, speak to us afresh. Remind us afresh that we are covered, that we are embraced, that we are honoured, that we are accepted. In your mighty name, Jesus. Amen.